0: folks it's time for another episode of the high power archery podcast it's april 29th and we're broadcasting live from the new york city quarantine zone yeah who would ever thought you'd be saying something like that but whatever these are the times we live in and hopefully everyone is safe and healthy at home uh or if you're at work listening to this then you're one of the few and we're all uh we're all thinking about you anyway Today's episode is going to be about arrow selection. You know, I ask a lot of folks, if you uh, if you have a particular topic that you want me to cover, then just let me know and I'll do that. And uh, one of my customers actually uh, posted a message on our Facebook group and said, hey, uh, how about one on arrows and how to select your arrows? Now, I've done a few episodes so far and covered all different types of topics, Does, you know, about archery, but um, I've tried to stay away from some of the quote unquote taboo topics. But if you ask for it, then you're gonna get it. So here we go. So arrow selection. Arrow selection today, for most people, is one of two different extremes. Either it's just one of these things, you walk into a pro shop, I need arrows, You take whatever they give you, you walk out, you're happy, and you live with it. Or you're one of these people who has to procrastinate, plan, think of every different angle that is possible out there, and make it like one of the biggest life decisions ever. And that's fine. Sometimes people overthink it. The underthinking is not necessarily a good thing either, so those are like two different extremes. The way that we do it here at High Power is a little different, um, but I take a very basic approach to it. And like I'm in the computer engineering field, so we deal with a lot of mapping and planning when we're working out stuff. I also use the same types of planning when it comes out to developing a set of arrows for a customer or for myself. And. We have something called mind mapping, which you can look that up, and it gives you a headache just looking at it when it's all drawn out. But if you think about it with arrows, this is the way I do it. So how do you do it? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can um, you can ask your friends, well, what are you using? You Because know, there's a couple of different things involved. First, you have what brand am I going to shoot? And to me, that's probably... Not even in the top ten percent of what you should be concerned about as far as brand. Arrows are arrows to all different manufacturers have their standards for what they do. And don't get me wrong, the major manufacturers, and I'm talking about Black Eagle, Easton, Carbon Express, Gold Tip and the like, they all have their standards. They're not gonna sell you junk. They have different levels, of course, from your entry level, you know, knock around type of arrow that this just used for a beginner or someone who doesn't care if they lose them because it's not a big investment and they have all the way up to the Pro Series arrows, which for a dozen arrows could wind up costing you a few hundred dollars. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but I do want to draw a line somewhere. There are arrows that you're going to see that are sold on Amazon and other places like eBay that have names and manufacturers no one's ever heard of before. Chinese manufacturers, places, you know, arrows manufactured in weird places. They're all basically generically mass produced. Um, no attention to detail or quality. You know, these guys, they go, they order some stuff out of China and they're made from one big factory who just comes out and spits out whatever you want. They don't have the same Q&A, you know, as far as look, looking at that quality control there. So you never know what you're going to get. Also when you buy stuff on eBay or Amazon and again I'm not beating those two sources to death. I think you support you should really support your pro shops, but a lot of people don't have access to a pro shop. So sometimes Amazon, eBay, the internet in general is the only place that they have, you know, an avenue to get the stuff. So I'm not saying that's wrong. But like I said, you don't know what you're getting, you can't see it, you can't feel it. So the no name brands stay away from if possible. I know it may be tempting to see something that is so cheap and so inexpensive. Look, I might as well get this. I mean, a dozen arrows I got for 40 bucks. Yeah, you get what you pay for. Also, there are a few new arrow companies emerging. Okay, there's a company that I believe is manufactured in China. Um, you'll see the guy on the Archery Supplies YouTube channel talking about his Skylon Arrows um Chinese made fairly good quality I've seen them before I've handled them they look really nice but again they're not sold widely here so when I sell something to a customer I want to make sure it's something that we can get you know we don't want to get a one-off where you buy it and then he, he says oh these are great I need to get another dozen I'm like well I can't because then you have to start your whole tune process again your whole development process again um But there are a couple of different brands coming up and some of them are american driven like you'll see the guys out there and they're becoming very popular especially with the heavy arrow market and there's nothing wrong with them because while they're all sourcing their arrows pretty much from the same place and again i don't know their personal um supply lines but for the most part most of these carbon arrows all come out of china some come out of mexico but really limited but most of them come out of China. The thing is that these guys they're placing their orders and then when they come in they're not just like bulk packing them and sending them out. They're actually looking at and getting what they want, calling what they don't what they don't need, or what doesn't make the cut, that sort of thing. So there's a little bit more detail there. So you're kind of safe with those as well. And a lot of them are offering packages now where you get the arrows and they come with um, all the accessories from that are very very high quality like from ethics archery or something like that i think there's one of the companies that's doing that right now the name escapes me but they are doing that so when we talk about building arrows there's a lot of different avenues you can go but again we get down to well how do i decide what's right for me so the first thing you should do is decide what is the arrow going to be for okay this podcast is going to concentrate mostly on the hunting arrows for people Um, but the same type of methodology can also apply to target arrows as well again decide what the purpose of the arrow is going to be i'll start with target because that's very very it's not simple by any means but it's a shorter explanation of how we do it if if it's target what am i going to be shooting am i going to be shooting indoor I'm shooting outdoor, I'm going to be shooting field. Each one of those disciplines calls for a different type of arrow. If I'm shooting 3D, I don't want something super super thin, you know, a, a very small profile because I'm trying to break lines. So I want a little bit thicker profile. If I'm shooting field, I want something thin and not necessarily light, but but a medium weight that's going to get that flight for long distances, like 90 yards, but it's not gonna be so light that's it's gonna fly away with the wind. Um, if I'm shooting indoor, basically I'm shooting fat, fat arrows that can go a short distance, 20 yards, and I really wanna cut lines. So I'm looking for a thick, heavy arrow that's gonna be controlled going down range. So you can use that to gauge what you're doing. Same thing kind of applies to hunting. So if you're going to be looking for a hunting arrow, what is the purpose of the arrow? What am I going to be hunting? So a lot of people say, well, yeah, I'm just going to get a hunting arrow. There is no such thing as just a hunting arrow, regardless of what anyone tells you. You have to start off with defining the purpose. What game are you going to be going after? In North America, for the most part, and I say this for the most part. The animals that you're going to be going after, with the exception of an elk, are not very large. You're talking about sub three, 400-pound animals with relatively thin skins. We're talking about your white-tailed deer. We're talking about um, coyotes, if you're going after coyotes, if you do that with a bow. Thin-skinned animals, black bear, that sort of thing. A bear may be menacing, but his build-out and his skin and his frame are generally thin. So, for North America, what I'd say is then you want a medium to light heavyweight arrow that you can shoot at something that'll go through it. On the other side of that, if you're planning on going after, you know, African game, and we're talking about buffalo, that sort of thing, or North American game, like a buffalo, a water buffalo, dangerous game like that, that you want something that's extremely heavy that can penetrate that. And we'll get into a little bit of the FOC thing later. I don't want to start that controversy on this podcast. I'll do a whole other podcast on FOC and my opinions on it and what I've been doing since, well, since I started shooting a long time ago. And again, that comes in trends, you know, what's, what's hot, what's not, what's popular today, what was, like, not even being discussed years ago. That sort of thing. So, leave the FOC alone for now. But again, big, dangerous game. Thick, you know, thick-bodied. You're going to need a heavy arrow. If you're going to be shooting at something that's thin skin, North American game, white-tailed deer, black bear, then you're looking for something that's moderately medium heavy to heavy and if you're going to be going after both what I tell people is unless you want to go ahead and invest in a second bow or a second set of arrows and then retune for them go with the one that's going to cover the the biggest game that you intend to hunt during the course of the year in the whole heavyweight thing now that's going on most people are building out extreme setups and i will tell you right now there is nothing wrong with that you sacrifice some speed but at the same thing you're ready to take out a white-tailed deer if it comes in front of you or if for some reason some asiatic buffalo got loose in the catskill mountains and he happens to be charging you you've got the equipment to take him out the possibility of that happening not going to happen but if it did you'd be ready for it and there is nothing wrong with that so we've gotten our selection process down to let's first list on a chart what we're going after we now, we now know, let's just say we're going to go after white-tailed deer and black bear and nothing else, that's it okay, we start there, now you've decided what game you're going to go after, now what are you shooting, how many pounds are you shooting and again, I've mentioned this in other podcasts before, and I'm going to try not to get too wound up about this, although it happens to me all the time. Archery is no place for machismo. I get it. You want to shoot an 80-pound bow because you want to be the big boy on the block, and I am Superman. and can do this. Yeah, that's great if you can pull it back more than 100 times. Because if you can't, then you shouldn't be doing that also to reiterate when it's cold outside and you're freezing and you're waiting in that tree early November morning let me tell you something in heavy clothes pulling back an 80 pound bow if you can even manage to do it is going to be painful awkward and you'll probably miss anyway so choose a moderate weight and you draw weight but again not going to go down that rabbit hole but we're going to start with what poundage are you shooting the problem i see today is most guys walk into a pro shop and they say i need arrows and the guys sight unseen will say well how many pounds are you shooting and i don't mean to make fun of people this is just how i see it i've been in pro shops guys don't know who i'm who i am when i happen to be there and I see them talking to customers. And I s- want to smack my head against the wall when I hear the answers they give them. Because the first thing I'm like, how many pounds are you shooting? Well, I'm shooting 60 pounds. Okay, you need a 400. And normally, for 60 pounds, 400, would kind of do it. But these, oh, okay, then give me this. What's your drawing? Fine. They don't ask him. They ask the guy what his draw length is. They ask the guy how many pounds he's shooting. And unfortunately, most of the time, the conversation ends there. Which, to me, is stupid. Because, A, you don't know what kind of clearance he's going to need on it. So if that bow is not there with him, producing a set of arrows for somebody based on their draw length and what they tell you they're shooting is not only stupid, it's irresponsible. So they ask those two questions and they produce a set of arrows and you go out there and you're wondering why the tuning may be off or why it may not shoot properly I mean it could be downright dangerous you don't know so when people come to me I have a kind of a strict rule I'm not producing a set of arrows for them unless I see it for myself their bow because the first thing I got to take into account is their draw length is important yes But what's the clearance on that bow? I need to get an arrow length first. And a lot of people take this for granted. Back in the day when I was growing up as a kid and compounds were first starting to come up in the market. Yes, I'm that old that I started with recurves and compounds weren't really around or popular. Actually, when I first started, compounds were really blasphemy among most shooters. But the big thing back then was speed and guys would put on these overdraws, which probably if you're listening to this podcast and under the age of 30, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but look one up on Google. You'll find it quite interesting. So they used to have these, these plates that would go on back of the riser and let you shoot a shorter arrow to make that arrow faster. Um, but also they were designed to protect that short arrow from going through your hand because the plate was wide enough in most cases same thing applies today if you're shooting a broadhead okay field points are one thing but broadheads are another and we're talking about hunting arrows here so eventually that arrow will have a broadhead on it but if you're shooting a broadhead I can tell you right now when when the bow is drawn back I don't want that thing anywhere near my hand where it can fall off so I either want it forward of the riser or just starting at the edge of the riser And more importantly, I need to make sure that the rest is set up so it doesn't interfere with it. So when I cut an arrow, I'll be like, okay, here. Where do you feel comfortable with the clearance on this? And people will tell me, oh, I want it here. Okay, fine. That gives me idea number one, but I'm still not going to cut it that way because I have to see how that bow is going to tune. And... We'll get into that step of what's involved in selecting the actual spine of the arrow in a second. But for the most part, now I'm dealing with clearance issues. So I know I gotta have an arrow of a minimum length. So if you're a 28 inch draw, I'm gonna say, depending on the type of broadhead you you intend to shoot, if you're not shooting a rest that's all the way back and you don't want it somewhere in the middle of the shelf, you want to make sure the broadhead's gonna have clearance. I'm gonna say you're probably in a 29 and a half to a 29, three quarter, even a 30-inch arrow. And if you're a beginner and you're inexperienced, it had better be a little bit longer because if it's not, you're gonna run the possibility of hurting yourself. And don't worry about it if it's too long. If it looks awkward, we can make anything shoot properly as long as we select a proper spine. So we've gotten into length. And now we're going to get into spine selection. Here's the thing with spine: the arrow spine charts that you see online and from the various manufacturers are all designed based on three different things, and most of them were designed about 25 years ago, if not longer, maybe 30. They're all they're all defined by the point weight, the arrow, the um, the arrow length and a poundage, and whether or not it's a recurve or a compound. So the recurve and compound is pretty much easy to figure out what you're going to do with that, although the same principles apply. But now we're talking about 100 grain points. If you shoot 100 grains, you can probably use that chart somewhat accurately to figure out what you need. However, if... You are, what is the phrase that I want to use for this? Uh, if you are social media influenceable and you see something about, well, the trend and what everyone's talking about now is to throw a 300 grain broadhead out there because that's going to get me this high FOC and be devastating. Okay. Take that chart, tear it up and burn it because it no longer means anything to you. Because the values represented in that chart are based on a 100 grain point. And if you're gonna base your 300 grain tipped arrow on that, you're going to wind up with what Ray the Ranch Fairy calls a twizzler, a very, very thin arrow or a very, very weak arrow that more than likely will explode when you shoot it. Or if it doesn't explode, it's going to fly so poor, you're not going to hit anything you're trying to hit. So again, remember, the charts are based on a 100 grain tip. Now, you can get around that a little bit, and you can modify it to, to use for you, you know, based on, say, 125. You can get away with it. But here's the principle that I want everyone to live with. Okay, you must select the proper spine. What is the spine? The spine is a number that defines the amount that an arrow will bend. Now, if you've never considered the fact that when your arrow leaves your bow, it bends like a serpent, then go on Google right now and look up something called arrow paradox. And what happens in slow motion when you see these videos of what the arrows do under pressure is scary. It gets more scary when you try to put a very light arrow, a light spined arrow, on to a heavier draw bow because that pressure could be extreme and result in a malfunction and a break. And if it happens at launch, and that break happens to happen right above your arm, you're going to wind up with an arrow through your hand or your arm, or even worse, a blown-up bow with pieces in your eye, that sort of thing. It's going to be catastrophic disaster. That's why they created the charts in the first place, as a guideline. But again, like I said, based on 100 grains. You put something heavier on the end, and you throw all that out, okay? So, first, arrow length and poundage has to be identified. Second, you have to know what spine. And how do we select the best spine? Well, this is what I say. Generally, like I was saying when people like I was saying before when people walk into a shop, they're going to say I'm shooting 60 pounds. Oh, you need a 400 arrow. Okay, without knowing the length. That can get your way when both most circumstances if you're like a 27 20 inch draw you probably be safe doing something like that but i always say select at least one or two spines heavier than what you need now i'm going to say this please pay attention to it because i don't want anyone telling me oh i went and did what you said and selected the heavier spine but it you know the arrow broke on me here's the deal Most manufacturers, Black Eagle, Easton, hold to the spines that make sense as far as they they have like a uniform numbers that they use. Like their 400 is a 400 in Easton, 400 is a 400 in Black Eagle. There are some companies out there where those numbers don't really mean anything. They have their own little system because they want to be different. Look at their spine charts that they have to determine where their numbers lie and what their codes mean because I've seen some weird things out there. I'm like, why are you shooting a 350 when you're shooting only 40 pounds? And it's because the 350 in that particular manufacturer happens to represent a much weaker spine than we would think a 350 does in anybody else's. So as an example, if I had a customer coming to me shooting 65 pounds, shooting a 29 inch arrow, then I'm gonna say the chart is gonna tell me A 350 to a 400 spine is going to be appropriate for them. I'm going to say drop it down to a 300. You always want to go with the heavier spine. Here's why. If you go with a heavier spine and it turns turns out to be too heavy for, for the tune, you can always increase point weight. And that will fix that. If you go with too weak a spine, the only thing I can do is shorten the arrow to make the arrow stiffer. The longer the arrow it is, the weaker it is, the shorter, the stiffer. What happens is, I can cut it down. But remember what I said, you have to have a certain amount of clearance. I can only cut that arrow down so far. So, again, go with the heavier spine. I usually go, a spine or two heavier than what would normally be called for based on a 100 grain or 125 grain uh, head. If you're one of these people who wants to shoot 250, 300 up front, go three spines heavier than you might need. So if you're telling me you're shooting 65, 70 pounds with a 30-inch arrow and you want to shoot a 250 head up there, I'm going to say you probably need a 200 or 250 spine because the other thing you have to take into consideration with all this is components. Components at the end of the arrow add weight. So if you have a hundred grain insert on a 250 grain head, you don't have 250 grains up front. You have 350 grains up front. Again, you have to calculate all that. So Yeah, I bet I'm confusing a lot of people, but I'm trying not to. Again, it's a very messy sort of thing. That's why it should be, you know, you should consult with someone who knows how to build an arrow for this. So you've decided I'm shooting, say, 65 pounds. I have a 30-inch arrow. I'm going to go with a 300 spine. Fine. Okay. And we know that the total weight of my components I'm going to stick in there on a 125 grain head, I know how much I'm going to have up front, and I know this is going to work. Fine. No problem. Remember when I said, depending on what you're going to be hunting, okay, how you're going to be doing it? You want to have the appropriately matched arrow. Well, appropriately matched means that you have enough kinetic energy behind you um, in order to get the job done. So everything today and it's starting to, you know, to go back the other way again it's trends seems to be about speed speed, speed, speed I want the fastest hour on the planet okay in another podcast I covered a little bit on this I'm briefly going to go over it again for those of you who get bored through this because you've heard it before sorry there are other people listening to it who probably have not so for their benefit I'm going to do it anyway The saying, speed kills, is appropriate. Speed kills. It kills your performance and it kills your accuracy. I don't care what anyone says. If you're going to shoot a very light arrow at game... With no weight behind it... I don't care if you're shooting 70 pounds. That arrow will not have the same knockdown power and penetration power as a heavier arrow traveling 30 feet per second slower also when you buy a bow out there and i have a few customers who everything is speed and again that's not their fault it, it's a product of of advertising and media and that sort of thing but they're like well i want to buy this bow because it's 340 feet a second okay you do realize that that's not 340 feet a second that you're gonna shoot out of that bow unless you're shooting a 300 grain arrow at 30 inches. The more, put it you this way, the the more the arrow weighs, the lower the speed's gonna go. The shorter your draw is, the lower your speed's gonna go. It all has an impact. So then they, sometimes I hear, well, I got a 340 uh, foot a second bow and I'm not getting 340 feet a second. Like, well, you know, what are you shooting? I'm shooting 55 pounds. And what's your draw length? 27. Yeah, you're lucky if you're getting 242 out of that thing. Again, it's all based on numbers that are set to provide an industry standard, but by no means does that mean that what you're going to get out of it is that. So again, a light arrow will not penetrate as well. The other thing is... If I'm shooting mechanicals on a light arrow, okay, I just took whatever little performance was left and cut that in half because mechanicals, and I will use this one caveat, on a perfect shot, a light arrow with a mechanical broadhead on it will penetrate. What do I mean by perfect? The animal is angled exactly, proper, and perfectly perfectly for you to get a shot through a rib cage, It's going to penetrate soft tissue. It's not going to encounter any obstructions and it's going to go through and it's going to hit its mark and do the job. Take into account now, the animal is alert. The animal is constantly moving. The animal has ribcage. If the animal's an elk, he's got thick ribcage. Uh, he's also got shoulders, that sort of thing. And it's not a perfect shot the percentage that you have of making that successful, and you'll still see guys on online all the time. Oh well, I shot it with a mechanical broadhead. I shot this elk with a mechanical. Okay, you sh- you got lucky on a shot, or what they didn't tell you was, I shot this thing with a mechanical. Here I go. Side note: It took me five miles to track it. Two days later, we got it, and it was hell on earth. Well, that's what you buy into in mechanicals sometimes. And they, they're not going to tell you that, and they're not going to show you that. And then some people tell, tell me, well, if I happen to make a, ma- a bad shot, a mechanical will take care, of, uh, take care of the animal and be able to give me that extra edge because it's a wider cutting, and if I hit in the guts or something like that, then i got a better chance of recovering the animal. If you're a gut shooter and that's what you do, or you happen to rely on that, it's quite possible that that will give you an extra edge. Here's the problem with that, though. A, you're relying on a bad shot that can happen. B, you still might not get the penetration you're looking for. And C, you may never find that animal. So that's not something to count on, nor that I would invest any kind of real confidence in. So, I side towards the heavier setup. Not extreme, but heavier. So, some guys are shooting a, you know, 375 grain, 410 grain arrow, and then they, even with a with a fixed blade on it, and they wonder why they don't get any penetration. Well, you encountered something, the broadhead probably failed, or the angle was no good, or you hit bone. Now, if you take a heavy arrow put it in the same situation with a reliable broadhead and again that's a component issue it will probably penetrate right through and not have that problem because you have that force coming through and the best way to I guess equate this would be which are you scared of? More you standing 10 feet away from me and with all my force and might I throw and hit you with a ping pong ball Or, I throw and I hit you with a golf ball. No, I didn't use the baseball reference because that just doesn't make any sense. But ping pong balls and golf balls are pretty much the same size. Which one are you going to be more scared of? Which one's going to do more devastating impact to you? The heavier of the two, which is the golf ball. I'll leave that at that. But I'm just going to say, that takes into, you know, it's got to have some weight in there. When you're deciding which arrow to get, that's why I say go with the heavier side of things. Now that I've done that, so now we've decided what we're shooting. I've picked out a spine. Again, arrow, spine. I picked out a spine. I know what length I'm going to shoot because I want to get clearance. And again, the weight of everything at the end, don't worry about it. Not yet, anyway. So I picked out a spine picked out a length now, and I know what head I'm going to be shooting on there what the weight of the head's going to be because again that's got to be in your formula but we're still picking out arrows here so now should I go with a a slim profile or a micro diameter shaft or a regular size shaft like a 204 or something like that that I will tell you is completely up to you what I will tell you is, the sometimes the larger diameter of the shaft, the more brittle it is. So you have to make sure that you've bought a shaft that is appropriate for what you're trying to do. I'm going to use Black Eagle as an example here because I'm a dealer for them. And if someone asks me you know, about an arrow in their line, this is how I break it down. So if you're looking for speed and you're shooting 3D or something like that, then you can use a carnivore. Carnivore Carnivores are a lighter grain per inch arrow, um, but they provide the speed and the spine that you need. If you don't want a brittle arrow and you want something that's going to penetrate, not break, it's going to perform, then I would su- suggest either a carnivore or one of their slimmer arrows in the micro diameter, like a um, like a deep impact or something like that. They're slimmer, okay, but being slim does not mean that they're gonna be lighter. Slim has to do with how thick, you know, what you're looking at is how thick the walls are. And you can look at the walls on, an, on one of these arrows and you can see on the micro diameters, they're really, really thick. <coughs> And what that's about is they're built to be strong so that the grains per inch is much higher. You may have a regular diameter shaft that's only eight grains per inch. That's pretty brittle on the walls. The walls are not that, you know, not that thick. But micros, because they, they put up with a lot more pressure at the same poundage that you look for, might be as high as 10 or 11 grains per inch. For me, I think that when you're... When you're selecting a shaft, you should be in the 9 to a 10 grain per inch as an overall rule. That's how I look at it. Now, if you're looking for a generally performing arrow, there's nothing wrong with like an outlaw. And people are going to say, well, outlaw's the cheapest arrow they make. Yeah, they're also very durable, very dependable. The walls are not thin. And it's a good, You can all the spines are really good on there. And you can pick out one that works for you. And there's nothing wrong with it. Micro diameter is going to cost you a lot more money than, say, a 204. But you're better off, you know, with the micro if your budget can afford it. So we've discussed spine, weight, um, grains per inch, length. Okay. So now we come to the all-important topic of... What arrow am I going to shoot? And that has to do with you. Like I said, irrespective, the brand really doesn't matter to me. The type of arrow does matter. Today's day and age, they are coming out with all different types of shafts and arrows. So with companies like Black Eagle, you're basically dealing with just regular carbon shafts, whether they're micro diameter or standard diameter, doesn't make a difference. Easton, for a long time, has made an arrow called an FMJ, which is short for Full Metal Jacket. And they've been loved by people for many years. They are a very tough arrow. But there is literally one kink in that armor, and that is that it is a carbon arrow wrapped in aluminum. For those of you that remember shooting aluminum arrows way back in the day, the biggest problem was they bend and people don't think that an FMJ will bend or dent or kink they do if you hit something hard enough and you roll that arrow you're probably going to see a bend in it because even though it's carbon on the inside and it's very resistant to bending that aluminum gets impacted hard enough it will bend so now all of a sudden you're wondering why one arrow out of your dozen is flying weird well that's the problem so they are hard they are very reliable just if that's what you're going to get know in the back of your head that there's a possibility one of them could bend and you also want it want to make sure that you inspect them regularly Now, other companies have come out with different types of shafts. Victory has come out with one where there's an aluminum mesh inside or steel mesh. I really don't know what it is, but it's, it's melded with the, with the carbon. So now the metals on the inside of it wrapped in there with the carbon on the outside. I've never seen one of those bend, but at the same time, you'd have to see what it's going to do in the they haven't been around all that long. So with their long-term effects and performance, I cannot honestly tell you because I don't shoot them. I can't tell you that I've seen one or two of them get destroyed before at the range. Any arrow can get destroyed. But again, you're talking a lot more money for something because it's a different technology. So the brand that you pick, just make sure that A, it fits in your budget, okay? Because going back to a podcast I had on archery supplies and equipment, you should only be shooting that which you can comfortably afford because there's no sense in, and I use the analogy of a, of a race car, there's no sense of getting the the biggest, baddest race car you can get and throwing a lawnmower engine in it. Same way you spent $1,500 on your bow and you put a set of $5 arrows on there. It doesn't work. But if you go mid-mid, you know, and you get something that's a moderately priced arrow, if that's all you can afford, then get something that's still going to perform the best for you. So when selecting your arrows, know what your budget limit is going to be. If you know that I can only spend $100 on a dozen arrows then I'm not going to be looking at something like a victory extortion and I'm not going to be looking at something like a black eagle x impact I'm going to be sticking in the middle I'm going to be looking for a a thick wall on the shaft so it's durable and I'm going to be looking for a material that works now back in the day we shot aluminums okay I was a kid I didn't shoot my first carbons until I was like oh damn I don't know maybe late 20s early 30s that's when carbon starting to become you know more accessible a little bit more popular until then i was shooting aluminums so people like well i i don't want to shoot a heavy heavy arrow because it's too slow guess what i found one of my arrows while i was renovating my shop over here and it was one of my one of my carbon arrows one of my aluminum arrows i'm sorry from I'm going to say 1991, and I weighed that thing. It weighed 612 grains. My arrows that I shoot now, the builds that I happen to do, it's just my personal preference of how I shoot and what I build. My arrows weigh six and a quarter at the minimum. So people say, well, I don't want to shoot such a heavy arrow. We've been doing it since back in the day. It's only when people got wrapped up in the speed that all of a sudden it became, you know, out of fashion to do something like that. So, select the brand that you want. It should be accessible to you. It should be within your budget. Select the shaft diameter that works for you. You want something that's got a relatively thick wall. The grains per inch between 9 and 10 if you can get it. I mean, it's got to be a good, reliable arrow. Otherwise, you're going to wind up hitting and breaking something. One person's favorite manufacturer because they go, you know, my buddy is shooting everything Eastern, so that's got to be the best. Well, guess what? Somebody else's buddy is shooting Victory, and they're going to think it's the best. Again, you go on Facebook, a thousand different opinions when you ask one question. So look for yourself, decide on your budget what's going to work for you, decide what am I going to be doing with that arrow. So all that's got to come together. We decided on whether I'm going to be shooting a, you know, a hybrid sort of shaft that's got a meld of, say, aluminum and carbon, or purely carbon shaft. If I'm going to shoot a standard diameter, I'm going to shoot a, a micro diameter. You got to know those things, but it all comes down to what the. It starts with the purpose and goes from there. Purpose, length, draw weight, spine. Now you've decided all of that. You've got your arrow so people buy pre-boxed arrows and there is nothing wrong with that because I shoot some pre-boxed arrows I'll build my own arrows you can build shafts whatever I'm gonna say this about pre-boxed arrows though they're already pre-fletched which if you don't know how to fletch you can learn on like old arrows that sort of thing just get yourself a fletching jig um, I like the AAE jig. It's probably the simplest one because there's like no moving parts to it. You just go on there, clamp it on, and it's repeatable. Um, I've been using that for ages. There's a Bitsenberger jig. It takes a little bit more know-how, a little learning. It's a little bit of a learning curve to do that. There's all types of jigs. Learn how to fletch. Leave it at that. But if you can't, or you don't have the time, then you're going to buy pre-fletched arrows. They come in nice, pretty packages. And basically, once they're cut, the inserts are put in, they're ready to roll. Here's the thing with that. If you're gonna do that, and the person who's cutting your arrows knows what they're doing, they can set you up and make it reliable because they're doing it. Even if you come to me and buy a box of arrows, it is still a build to me. Why is it a build? I selected the brand, I've selected the arrow spine. The, the length, do I just cut them, put it in an insert, and let it go out the door? No. Why? Okay. Depending on what you're going to be doing, the weight you're going to be putting on that thing, I may need to put a heavier insert in there to give you the proper flight that you need, again, in the tuning. I'm going to shoot that thing through my shooting machine over here on your bow, starting out with a much longer length than what we would normally do. To see what gets the best tune out of it based on the head that you want to shoot. And if I can't get it to shoot like that, right off the bat, then we'll go to a heavier head and do that. To, if it's too too stiff, if it's too too weak of a spine, because you told me it was a 65 and I checked it out, but for some reason the bow doesn't like, you know, the, the bow is too too rough of a draw cycle. Again, draw cycle has to do with that, something like that, too the dynamic spine of what it's actually doing the force it's doing um then i may have to use a heavier head to break that spine down and we'll base it on that again so it's not like a simple recipe well the chart says do this cut it to this and it's going to work almost never works but if the person who's building your arrow is responsible they're going to do all that they're going to check it out for you but just looking at the arrow there's a couple of things you got you got to be aware of one the components this is not by any means meant to say anything bad about our manufacturers but basically when they make their arrows they they get standard components for it which are not always the greatest they include them and that's what your arrows are assembled with if you're getting an arrow um, that requires an outsert for example those outserts could be made the ones that come with them can be made of a very thin aluminum, which is not all that strong. The quality of the components is just as important as the quality of the arrow. So if I see that I need to get an outsert for an arrow and the customer has a budget to get something better, I'm going to get something like ethics, archery's components for it. Or... Let's just say, in the case of Black Eagle, they come with outserts already for the the boxed arrows. If at all possible, and the customer can afford the $40 or whatever it is for the dozen, I'm going to say, get the component system that's in a stainless steel or something like that, outsert, if if it calls for an outsert. Get the component system on there. And... It's called a focus system with them, and what it does, it's they come in either aluminum or stainless steel. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably go with the stainless steel, which adds a little bit more weight. And I'm gonna say, get this because now all of a sudden I can change how that broadhead is oriented on the arrow without having to unglue and twist and do everything again. Because there's a little screw you go in there, you undo the screw, you can actually twist the components, and That focus system has what they call a center pin that goes inside the arrow that holds the whole thing together. Again, you're building an arrow for a purpose. You want that arrow to perform. You want it to be strong. When dealing with outserts, you have very little that actually goes inside the shaft. Usually they ride about a quarter of an inch or three quarters of an inch on the outside, and that's it. Well, that's a breaking point on a lot of shafts so when they hit and have a serious impact doesn't mean it's going to happen every time but if you hit something you might encounter an issue so they've come out with these systems with center pins that go in there and then the component straps onto that and it gives extra weight to the arrow it also gives extra stability valkyrie arrows valkyrie they think they have their own line of arrows that they make for it, or they make components for they also have their broadhead line that has a center pin system for the components. It makes it super strong. So again, like I said, whether you're hunting the African game or you're or you're hunting North American game, you should make sure that that arrow is going to have every possibility. Give it every chance possible to penetrate and do its job. So I want to make it tough. That being said, if I can't afford it, I can't afford it. There are other ways to get around it, but if I can, I'm going to get the best components, components available. Now, if a customer cannot afford that, that does not mean that they should just, you know, press their luck, go with God, let's see what happens. No. By selecting a heavier arrow, I'm giving them the best chance to get through there even if they use the weakest components. They just will. If you're using a quality broadhead and use a standard component, on there you'll probably still penetrate because based on the heavy weight coming through it's going to do the job for you it's just that i like to go a little bit overkill with some stuff and give you even more of an opportunity again when it comes to hunting and this is the thing it's this is all about arrow selection and that sort of thing but when it comes to hunting a lot of people are waiting for that one opportunity that may present itself throughout the whole season to see that animal And they have to make that shot count. You did all that hard work to get to that point. If you don't give it all you got in putting every single percentage on your side, then what's it all for? So we get the heavy arrow. We got a good component on there. But if you can't afford a component, it doesn't mean that you're you're out, like I said. You have the heavy arrow to begin with. I also, on standard uh, diameter shafts, pretty much any diameter shaft you want to go with, I will install a footer, which basically is just a, a sleeve of aluminum that goes over the shaft, about two and a half to three inches, and reinforces that shaft where the broadhead goes in. And you just take it from there. If you're dealing with something like an eastern arrow, they have what they call the hit insert that goes inside there. A lot of people don't like them because they've run into some issues with them where the insert will slide, then they're kind of hard to put in without the special tool. All kinds of issues can come up. They have other insert systems that work for them, made by ethics and other companies. Look into something else. If that's your thing and that's what you want, you want the hit system, then just get a higher quality component for it and don't worry about it. So again, there's nothing limiting you. It's the only thing limiting you from from selecting and, and producing the best possible arrow is you. So again, you come to me, you get a set of boxed arrows, I've done all the testing, I know it's going to work. When we're building that arrow, you have to make sure that you square off both ends of the arrow. Again, why? You can't cut from the fact, you know, you can't cut, the guys cut it. Well, arrow saws, when they cut, even though that thing is going at 8,000 RPM, may not make a perfectly straight cut. It also has to do with how you're rolling it into the cutter, that sort of thing. So it should be squared off at both ends. Well, some people say, well, what do you mean both ends? Square off the end that was cut. And at the factory, the other end was cut as well. I mean, they don't just like cut one end and the other side come in commit suicide and jumps off the whole long length and they're not made in, in 30 inch lengths they're made in one long tube which is i don't know what the length is but i've seen an easton factory video and they're like maybe 10 feet long and they just keep cutting them um so you got to square off both sides square off the knock-in square off the weight where you're going to go on the inserts or uh on your outserts now you're on a level playing field because you squared both off And I'll get into an arrow building sort of podcast later on. And that is going to be some of the techniques I use to to set up an arrow. But like I said, we're getting into arrow selection now. Arrow selection based on what you're calling for. Heavier arrow. You you know the brand. But again, the brand really doesn't make a difference if you're sticking with purpose and what you're going to be getting. So... The fanboy thing, you know, the fandom thing of, well, my buddy shoot this, that's great. If you want to shoot what your buddy shoot, that's fine. But don't shoot a 400 grain or a 300 grain just because this guy's shooting it on that bow. Every bow likes something different. Every bow reacts to something different. It all comes down to tuning. A professional will be able to tell you what's best if they have the experience with it. So, hopefully this has been a little bit of a help to some people out there, you know, trying to explain how to select a shaft. You're looking for spine, looking for length, that sort of thing. It's not just, you know, move your finger from here to there on the chart and over across and you figure out what it is. Um, The basics are you get the proper spine based on the arrow length and the draw weight you're going to be shooting. And you should have someone check that draw weight for you To see what you're actually pulling base it also on what you're going to be shooting during hunting season if you're the type of person who you know starts off the beginning of the year by lowering your bow draw weight so until you can get your arm into condition and that sort of thing don't base it on that draw weight base it on the draw weight that you're going to be shooting during the hunting season when it's tuned it should be it should be tuned appropriately that's all important because if you don't do it that way, nothing's gonna work out right. Tune is everything. Tune is really based on what you put into it and how much work you're willing to do to get it to work for you. It can be frustrating if you don't know what you're doing with it. That's why I suggest going to professionals to do it. If you tinker with the tune, then the only thing I'm gonna tell you is go heavier than lighter because a heavier shaft, even if you make a mistake, is going to be better and not cause a catast- catastrophic failure but if you do that with a light arrow and i've seen it i've seen guys shooting 400 spines with 70 pounds i've seen them shooting 500 spine with 70 pounds that's detrimental to performance and dangerous i never want to see anybody get hurt out there and the other thing is remember it's not just you that you're hurting it's the bow that you're hurting, too. Because even if it doesn't blow up on you, that repeated force on the bow, you know, in closing, I'm, I'm going to just put this out there because a lot of people don't realize what goes into this. So this is like a lot of information all the time, I get it. But when your bow fires an arrow, okay, those limbs hold a tremendous amount of, of energy. That energy has to be dissipated in the course of the shot. The arrow absorbs all that energy as it is launched out of the bow. What happens is if the arrow is too light or the spine is too weak, it will not absorb that energy. What happens is the arrow may leave the bow without exploding, yes, but the energy is going to go back into the limbs, which can then damage your bow, the limbs, components, cams. I've seen someone shoot a 400-spine arrow out of an 80-pound bow and completely bend their cans. That happens. Also, for those of you who are into the stealth hunting aspect of things where you want to be quiet, you want to have the most surprise on the animal possible, nothing wrong with that. Realize that a light arrow shot out of a very heavy bow is going to make a lot of noise. I don't care how many stabilizers you put on there, you can make it look like like a cellular tower with all the stabilizers coming out of all the ends. If the arrow is too light for the bow, the sound of the energy which is dissipating back into the bow is going to make the bow noisy. So you don't need the string silencers, all, that's not, all that jazz is not going to help you. But If the arrow is heavy enough, the energy is being absorbed properly, not coming back into the bow, you're going to have a a very, very quiet shot. And that has to do everything with selecting the right arrow. In our next podcast, or the one after that, I have to see which one I do it on, I'll get into the arrow builds and fletching. And should you go 3-fletch, 4-fletch, 6-fletch? Yes, I've shot six fledge. Um, should I go with an offset, a helical, right helical, left helical, that sort of thing. So when you come into arrow building, that's a whole other subject on, unto itself. This was all about arrow selection. Hopefully it's helped you out. Uh, if you have any questions, like I said, just send them to us at highpowerarchery at gmail.com. You can contact us on our website at www.highpowerarchery.com. Uh, Just leave us a message and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And there's all kinds of articles on there that may be of of help and interest to you. Always uh, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with us. So that's all for now, folks. Until the next time, stay safe and shoot straight.